0: From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Barry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we take a deeper dive into stories from our radio newsrooms across the U.S. Today, On Deadline is jumping in the back seat and taking a look at driverless cars. Because, like many people, we've got questions. Questions like, can you trust them? How do they even work? Sometimes it feels like something from science fiction, Autonomous vehicles are ready and available to beam us down the road, Scotty. And the market appears to be advancing quickly. According to Next Move Strategy Consulting, the global driverless vehicle market grew to 17,000 units in 2022, and it's expected to hit 127,000 units by 2030. As tech continues to advance, it could be no time before your Uber or Lyft comes with four wheels, but without a body behind the wheel. Just how quickly is that likely to happen? Diane Peters, Associate Professor of Mechanical Engineering at Kettering University, joined Odyssey to discuss the advancement in driverless vehicles.
1: Thanks for taking the time with us. You know, one question I had, and and somebody texted this in, I think it's a good one, is that should we automatically align autonomous vehicles with electric vehicles?
2: A lot of people who are doing that and there's a good case that we should align because that are that's a direction a lot of people are going Uh, we are concerned about internal combustion engines and about the pollution and if you're making two different changes it's a good idea to align them together to figure out how they can support each other now that's not to say they have to be aligned you could very well put some autonomous features on cars that have an IC engine or hybrid vehicles and we don't know if there's going to be another powertrain out there that somebody's working on um, a year from now two years from now somebody might have some really great thing using fuel cells or even something we haven't thought of yet
1: is there anything intrinsic to the internal combustion engine engine that would render it incompatible with autonomous vehicles
2: no no, not at all. If you look at it, what you're doing is you're simply putting controls on a vehicle that take the place of the driver. So you would have an autonomous vehicle with a controller that would be controlling your brake and throttle, that would be controlling your steering wheel, which are things that you do now. And In fact, you might even be able to make the car even more efficient because if the autonomous vehicle knows what it's going to do ahead, it might be able to do a better job of controlling the engine to get just a little bit more efficiency out of it. Now, there's limits, of course, to how efficient it can be. There's some engineering theory that tells you you can't go beyond a certain point. But with that advanced knowledge and with good computing power, you might be able to eke out just a little bit more from that ICM engine.
1: Where do we stand with autonomous vehicles now? What is the current state of it and what kind of progress has been made? How, how quickly is progress being made? And, and looking ahead, how likely is this to be prevalent?
2: Well, I think eventually it will be prevalent. The question is how long is eventually? Because there's a number of factors at play. One of them is the sensors. We have some very good sensors, but we could still use better ones. Figuring out the world around us is something that we as humans actually do really well. Another big thing is figuring out how to interpret all that sensor data, and that's a huge thing that we have to do better on. And that, I think, is one of the big limitations right now because there's a huge amount of information that we take in in the world. If you were to just stand outside or look out your window, there are so many things that you can see, and you have to decide which ones are important and which ones aren't. And we're really good at that. If you're driving down the road, you're not looking for a bush or a tree to walk across the road because you know that that's highly unlikely to happen, Mm -hmm. whereas you may be using your human intuition to say there's a dog and it's leashed, so it's probably not going to run into a road, but I'm still going to be alert. Oh, there's a cat and it's not on a leash. That cat might run into the road. I have to be more alert to that. You know so many different things, and you can interpret so many different things. So really, figuring out how to interpret that data is a huge piece. We're developing new and better controls algorithms all the time, the methods by which we decide what to do with the brake and the throttle and the steering wheel. But we still have to have that data and we have to make sense of that data in order to really make this work.
1: Does artificial intelligence help as far as this goes? And Tommy said cautiously using the phrase artificial intelligence, because you know, it's like, what is this movie, The Big Short? They got this great quote in there. It's like, yeah, you think you know, but you got a couple of bullet points that you recite so you don't sound stupid. Tell me about artificial intelligence and helping in this effort.
2: intelligence could help but we have to be careful with how we how we use it because artificial intelligence is only as good as you as what you give it when you're training an artificial intelligence system it's only as good as the data that you give it to train on and let me give you an example that i think people can wrap their head around think about little kids they're learning the world and you don't sit down and give them a whole list of things to memorize about the world that would be absurd but you point things out to them over time. That's a cat, that's a dog, that's a tree, and they start learning. And that's kind of the idea behind artificial intelligence, but it's only as good as the training data. For example, a small child I knew years ago, I won't mention the name because that would embarrass them terribly, was learning the world and was in a family that had both dogs and cats. But all the dogs in their family were large. The first time that this child saw a small dog he was very confused because in his training set he had never seen a small dog so in his mind small animals were cats but that didn't look like any cat he had ever seen and and cats don't usually bark so he did not know that dogs could be small now obviously he learned that but if we do not give these ai programs the right data then they're not going to learn properly
0: Among the leaders pushing for the advancement of autonomous vehicles is the electric car manufacturer Tesla. You've probably heard of Tesla. It's become a household name in the auto industry since it roared onto the scene a decade ago. And its momentum seemed unstoppable. That's until the safety of one of the key features in its vehicles recently came under question, the autopilot system. Recent issues have led to 2 million of the vehicles being recalled over concerns stemming from that autopilot feature. That means that almost every Tesla in the United States has now been recalled. WWJ News Radio auto reporter Jeff Gilbert spoke about the recalls from Tesla and why some are concerned that the cars aren't doing enough to protect drivers.
2: Tesla is recalling more than 2 million vehicles after regulators determined that the autopilot system doesn't do enough to prevent driver misuse. I'm wondering, two million, is that essentially all Teslas in the U.S.? And yeah. what exactly does this mean?
3: Yeah, pretty much all Teslas. Uh, from, from recent model years, there may be a few earlier Teslas that wouldn't have that hardware in it. What it means is that people who have these vehicles will get an over-the-air update. They don't have to take them to a dealership or or anything of that nature. But what this will do, at least according to the government and Tesla, is it'll limit the roads that people can drive these vehicles on and try to keep people from doing foolish things behind the wheel. We've seen people post on YouTube, my invisible driver, where they crawl in the back seat while the vehicle's on autopilot. So it's meant to monitor driver behavior.
2: When it comes to EVs, Ford is cutting back on production. What's happening there?
3: Well, what was happening there is that uh, they had thought that the F150 Lightning was going to be such a big hit that's their electric pickup truck that they greatly increased capacity at the plant where it's going to be made. Well, this week a memo from a supplier leaked out that they are not going to use half of that uh, additional capacity. They can make 150,000 F150 Lightnings there. They're going to make about 75,000 next year. And you know what Ford has said is we will beat to build vehicles to meet demand and they feel that while EVs are growing they're not growing at the rate that they had had been before so what they don't want to get is dealers with a bunch of F150 lightnings on the lot that they've got to reduce the price to to get them to move
1: you know typically over and over again you see cost as a as a big factor in why people are you know shying away from EVs but I don't know. When I look at what vehicles are available and you consider some of the tax incentives and all of that that you get if you buy an electric vehicle, I feel like the cost has really come down on those. And it's probably other concerns that are keeping people away.
3: Well, you know, surveys show that cost is the top concern, and and they do tend to be a little bit more expensive. But as you mentioned, there are the incentives. And as more models come out, obviously competition is going to keep the price down a a bit. But, you know, the other big fear is what they call range anxiety. And the charging infrastructure isn't where it should be. And even if it is, people in many cases don't like the idea of having to sit, charge for a half hour to an hour where you can fill up with a uh, tank of gasoline if you're taking a trip in about five minutes.
2: Do you see improvements? Improvements coming in that you know with the range and the the charging issues
3: absolutely improvements are coming because we've seen improvements I mean the first modern EV has got you about 75 miles of range now 300 miles is about the average we're still not to where gasoline-powered vehicles are but but you you can see that curve and you can See improvements coming. That's why I say when you look at some of these EV goals Try to anticipate what a future EV may be like not necessarily what we have today in fact really for EVs to to flourish, the improvements have to come.
0: While it may be the next big thing, creating the technology necessary for autonomous cars and getting people to trust them are two different issues. In 2017, a Pew Research study found that only 44% of those familiar with driverless cars would want to ride in one. And while the technology accelerates, the trust factor is actually decreasing. A J.D. Power survey from this year found that only 37% of Americans would feel confident in a self-driving vehicle. Part of the decline in trust comes amidst several scary headlines, including a woman who was found critically injured and trapped under a driverless car in San Francisco. There are other stories too, like an autonomous vehicle that slammed into a fire truck, also in San Francisco. And another one from the Bay Area a Chevy Cruze that ran into and injured a pedestrian. In fact, around 600 self-driving cruise cars made by a unit of General Motors are being investigated by regulators after two reports of injuries to pedestrians. Cruise responded by saying its safety record continues to outperform comparable human drivers. Dr. Matt Markle, a radar technology and self-driving car expert, joined Odyssey in Dallas to discuss the public's perception of driverless cars.
2: So many people were anti having Alexa in their house. And now, you know, you got a fully smart home.
4: Right. Automobiles in the early days were not universally accepted. Remember that? Well, I don't I don't remember. I heard of stories. was like long before my time. But I think what happens is when you think about that and those those are good things to think about. But the millions of miles that have been driven already, you Mm -hmm. know, that's that's a big. So we talk about a wow factor. There's nothing that's going to be really flashy. I don't think that's going to like, oh, look, and now it's safe. It's the accumulation of millions and millions of miles on for real roads. And then most of the major players in this space are doing billions of miles, billions with a B miles in simulation as well to really be able to test cases and, and change the position of something just ever so slightly and try a case where the guy's moving just a little bit faster, a little bit slower and evaluate their system and, and push it to the point where, where the, we expose these, these break points. I think it's also... Uh, important when we think about the, the distrust of the technology is to look at like, what is the alternative we're comparing to, okay? We don't really get a choice to compare it to a situation where there's no accidents on the road, right? We have to compare it to the way humans drive today We've already discussed that those that we lose, you know, the same number of lives on the road as we do due to breast cancer. So when you compare it to that, think of the alternative, then I think you're gonna start seeing more and more people, when it's available to them, choose to adopt that technology. as more and more people choose to adopt it, people see more and more in their tribe that are doing that. And then it becomes like once they once they take their first ride. And I'll tell you, I've ridden in you know, ridden numerous times in self-driving cars. If there was one word I could use to describe it, it would be boring. Because it is not what you think I was going to say, but it <laughs> no. really is.
2: So l- let's let's talk about the self-driving technology. It's becoming more and more common. What's the evolution, and where are we going with this in the future?
4: So that's a great question. Where we're ultimately going is we're going to get to the point where vehicles can take that burden of driving off of us for some portion of the drive, whether it's the entirety of the drive or at least some portion of it. And when you think about that, that offers two primary benefits. One is it gives us our time back, right? How much time do we spend commuting? How much time do we spend in the car having to drive instead of doing things that we really want to do, whether it's engaging in a deep conversation that takes a lot of your conversation or checking your emails or, or discussing things on the phone that really require the concentration that you can't really give because you have to be operating this vehicle. But the other thing it provides, and this is extremely important as well, is it provides an aspect of safety. And when we think about it, what we don't hear a lot on the news are about traffic accidents, right? We, When there's a self-driving car accident, we hear about that. And of course, when there's an airplane accident, we hear about that a lot because those are very rare. And those become newsworthy. But unfortunately, what happens, Kristen, is that in the United States of America, we lose about 43,000 people every year due to traffic accidents. And most of those accidents are human error. So there's a big safety aspect of this as well.
0: Of course, there are also issues with humans behind the wheel. People who get tired and distracted. People who make bad decisions when it comes to alcohol and drugs. People who can't stop scrolling their phone from behind the wheel. In its most recent yearly report, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimated that 42,795 people died in motor vehicle traffic crashes. Driverless car companies argue that their products can help make the roads safer and reduce the number of lives claimed in accidents. Self-driving car company Waymo said in September that a study proved its vehicles are much safer than those operated by humans. The study, led by Swiss Reinsurance Company, examined whether Waymo cars in San Francisco and Phoenix had better safety records than cars driven by humans. Waymo said the insurance data revealed a 100% reduction in the frequency of bodily injury claims and a 76% decrease in property damage claims compared to those operated by human drivers. Note, though, this is a very, very small sample size. Waymo's driverless cars have traveled roughly 4 million miles, but each year, human drivers log more than 3 trillion miles. So until autonomous miles jump from millions to trillions, strapping yourself into a driverless ride requires trust in technology and an act of faith in the future, like so many others humans have made. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strouser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smith. I'm Lauren Berry, and I want to say thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey's serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app
1: or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed.